Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another Tea with D blog, blog, and podcast, however you choose to enjoy us. I'm Dee, and this is our weekly dive into communication and authenticity and confidence and leadership and being a basically kick-ass woman. So, yeah, that's what we're about. And today, we're going to talk about interview anxiety. Now, there's lots of things we could talk about with interviews, but today we're going to talk about the anxiety of an interview and how you're probably worried about the wrong thing. So let's find out. Now, you know how much I love to share my screw-ups so that you can appreciate that we're all human and we all mess up all of the time. And I don't have any sort of, I'm better than you because, oh my gosh, daily, daily, I'm doing something that's going to end up being a really good story later on. So today I'm going to start with one of those kinds of stories. It's not a recent one, but it's still, it has stood this test of time. So let me share with you. When I was about 23 years old, I interviewed for an educational position at the Royal Terrell Museum of Paleontology. It's the premier dinosaur museum in the world. So Alberta, where I live, used to be an enormous inland sea. And thanks to this and a number of other factors, we have a huge number of fossils and dig sites. There is a reason. There is an Albertosaurus, okay? So anyways, I got this interview and I was jacked because this place is super cool and super cool job, right? And I wanted to work anywhere that wasn't within a 30 minute drive of my hometown, like nearly anywhere. And to score this gig, like chef's kiss. So I did all the things, right? I got there early. I got all gussied up. I warmed up vocally. Yes, as a speaking coach, I do those things regularly. I relaxed with rock music. It's a thing for me. I didn't do, I didn't meditate or do any breathing exercises because I was young and dumb and didn't know better yet. And once I got into the interview, I shone. I could talk the legs off an elephant and I only get worse when I'm nervous. And the improv acting, yes, there was improv acting here. And the impromptu speaking tasks they had me do were like, they were custom built for my strengths, right? So my happy, cocky, I got this thing in the bag attitude was shot from the sky when one of the interviewers looked at me and casually asked, what does paleontology mean? (laughs) Holy shit. I was interviewing at the Royal Terrell Museum of Paleontology, and I hadn't bothered to figure out what the fuck paleontology technically meant. I also, incidentally and embarrassingly, did not know who the Tyrrell was in the name of the museum. And in my defense, this was pre-internet. Nowadays, I, I think I'd try to like laugh it off with a crack like a Lannister. And you either get that joke or you don't, so sorry. Anyways, I say defense because it's not really defensible. It is such an elementary component of the competence of the job that I couldn't quite believe I'd never thought of it. Like, 
Paleontology, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is, and I quote, the branch of science concerned with, the, with fossil animals and plants. My answer? Dinosaur bones? I wasn't wrong, but I also definitely wasn't right. They knew that I didn't know. And I knew that they knew that I didn't know. Ad nauseum. I was gutted. Despite my flamboyant levels of confidence, I'd been caught out on my basic, or so my flamboyant levels of confidence, I'd been caught out on my basic competence. I wanna make sure I say that right. So this is not the story that most women tell. Right, though they can definitely tell you stories about times they've witnessed someone else who is brimming with unmerited confidence, duff it hard. So my, my experience was hugely embarrassing, um, but it kind of points to the opposite. So that's what I wanna bring up. What do most women experience or many women experience in interview situations? So let's go back to the interview. So most of us have been there, that weird place where we're equal parts excited about an opportunity that might come to pass and anxious. What if we suck, don't get chosen? So it's a swirling concoction of imagination and agitation. It can pull you down into its dark depths pretty quickly too, if you let it. You know what I mean? So when you start playing with or playing over every failure or rejection, you ever experienced in interviews or in life, you've built all kinds of stories about what these experiences mean. And bear in mind, they are stories. So your successes mean little. You're sure that it's, it's just because that you've gotten lucky, fooled people up till now, and you're about to be found out. You create the settings, the action, the dialogue, the intricate visualizations about everything that will go wrong in the impending interview. And it doesn't matter, in person, phone, Zoom, the freak out factor is equally high. If there was an Oscar for this level of visualization, you'd be a serious contender. But we're focusing on the wrong elements and a simple mindset shift can make all the difference. So, I'm gonna give you some facts. There's somebody knocking at my door and I'm gonna ignore them right now. So every work interaction we have from the burger shot cashier to the CEO comes down to two things that each of us brings or doesn't to the table, competence and confidence. Women as a rule believe in meritocracy. That is, we think that, think that knowing our stuff, being good at our job and working hard constitutes the pathway to success. And that's all evidence of competence. So going into interviews, we are concerned with being able to translate those traits and behaviors into a series of answers that evidence our competence. Will we be asked questions we know the answers to? Will we use the right words? Will we forget to put all the details into our responses? Will the interviewers know we're capable and therefore choose us? This is clearly where I could have used some work. Hint paleontology. So on the surface, these all seem like competence concerns. Will I able to be, be able to show what I know? But think about it again. This time through the lens 
of confidence will I be able? This is really about belief in yourself, not knowledge of work. It's about confidence. Think about it. You've already gotten the interview, so you can assume that you've got the table stakes to be in the game. Your resume or CV or references or application met a minimum standard, and don't bother guessing what that might be. Contrary to popular belief, having 100% of the posting's qualifications means very little. The average is more like 60% to get in the door. After all, you're, you're not trying to get the same job as you already had, are you? You're, so you're supposed to be there. But do the research anyways, please, okay? So despite all of these promising realities, we start our downward spiral as soon as we book the interview because that's when the second guessing starts. And yes, I know you were second guessing when you chose to apply too. Instead of accepting we've got the table stakes to be in the game or at the table, we start to invent stories about why we shouldn't be there, why they wouldn't choose us, how much we fooled everyone, and that this time the jig is up. What does this do to your confidence, provided you had any to start with? Yeah, down the drain we go. So rather than accepting the promise of the interview and building our confidence towards that moment, we undermine our existing confidence, however low it might be, and we question our competence. Double whammy, boom, boom. All of this is because we are focusing on the competence over the confidence. We're really putting the cart in front of the horse and the cart will always be run over by that horse. Just saying. So let's talk a little bit about, I'm gonna call them that guy, okay? So I know you know someone like this, some dude who's barely competent. You sometimes wonder how he even functions day to day, but who is successful? It makes no sense. You know that if you did one sixteenth of the shit he did, you'd be out on your ass. You do 400% of the work at 2,000% better quality. He's boss. You're the lackey. You could blame gender and systemic bias. You'd be right as a woman that those do contribute to your experience. Absolutely. But what about all the other dudes that he's fooled? Are they all idiots? Probably not. And is he competent and you're just incompetent to realize this? That's unlikely. So it gives. Hmm. Well, the fact is we pick people because they make us believe in them. And how do they make us believe in them? You know the answer. Their confidence in themselves leads to our confidence in them. So that guy, he's made those around him believe through his belief in himself. So they believe in him because he believes in himself. Sure, he might be delusional, but humans are quite content to in believing in delusional people as long as that delusional person believes in him or herself. Mostly himself, though, in my experience. In theory, you, the woman with competence, are already beyond the delusionality test. 
you don't believe in yourself in the absence of competence. You're actually coming at this from the other direction. You're trying to leverage your competence in the absence of confidence. I know, right? What's a woman to do with such an epiphany? It's, it's not like you can snap your fingers and be instantly confident, right? Or can you? Hmm. I'll admit that the, the snap is a bit hopeful, though I'm a big believer in practical magic. But there are things you can do to mitigate and manage the anxiety you're feeling. So we're going to talk about three things. So number one. I want you to take your resume or your CV and make yourself a list of competencies that are broad, okay? Not just specific to your job. So for instance, if you've um, led a specific team through a specific project, through a specific piece of software, okay? That's a very specific example. But what you can say is you can say, more broadly that you're good at analyzing situations and that you're great at leveraging people's skills and abilities in motivating teams towards projects. So a much broader idea that can be applied to lots of different industries instead of saying, I can only do this one thing under this one circumstance, because that's not true, right? So if you go to the show, uh, notes, you'll see a link to a list that's got some great competencies where you can start. So what's the why behind this, your why? So by being able to talk about your competence as useful human traits, rather than tying them to a specific job or task, you're much more free in your ability to respond. So here's a pro tip, practice verbalizing these things with a coach, a friend, yourself, etc. You need to hear yourself say them. You need to feel yourself say them. Therein lies confidence, my friend, honestly. So number two, recognize that feelings of confidence are in part tied to levels of testosterone. So you may have heard of Amy Cuddy's power poses and her viral TED talk, again, the links in the notes. In it, she itemizes and demonstrates a handful of physical positions that she says correlate with increased testosterone and feelings of confidence. Now, not everyone agrees. And again, there's some links to that kind of discussion in the notes. Um, so not everyone agrees with her explanation of her findings, but the fact is many, many women report feeling more empowered and confident as a result of practicing these power poses. So I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the women's uh, room or the ladies room and walked in on a woman acting like a superhero. So you need to watch the TED talk to find out why though. So what's your why? Well, being more fully present and aware of your body, its positions, gesture, energy, etc., is a powerful way to connect your head, heart and physicality. Whether it's related to testosterone or not, being physically present, connected and consciously taking up space something women frequently shy away from, boosts your confidence, your sense of confidence, and ah, others' perception of your confidence. Mm. So number three, learn to stop. 
S-T-O-P-P, acronym. So this is something I work with women on individually and groups all the time. When you experience something, anything really, your brain categorizes the events or stimuli and about 80% of the time skips the actual thinking process. It predicts, then it reacts. So if you associate interviews with danger, your sympathetic nervous system activates, right? Your body, your brain wants to protect you. It wants to keep you alive. So you feel your feels about this. So your heart rate goes up, you start sweating, shaking, etc. whatever your jam is. And you interpret it as anxiety, as a bad thing. In an interview, these elements will only escalate if you aren't aware of and therefore not controlling your interpretations of your sensations. And this is really important because people will say, oh, just don't feel nervous or just do your deep breathing or just do any number of things. But without understanding why you're reacting the way you are and have to think about things differently, all of those other tricks and tips will not get you where you need to be, not long-term. So there you go. So here's your why. So STOP, as I referenced earlier, is an acronym. What does it stand for? So the S, still yourself. T, take inventory. Okay, how do I feel? How am I reacting? What's going on around me? What's the story? Oh, observe opportunities. What can I do differently than I am doing? How do I break the circuit? Stop the, the kind of continual feedback that freaks you out. From there, first P, pick your path. Which direction are you going to go? And second P, proceed. So these steps allow you to interrupt the cycles you get caught in. And honestly, it can take one belly, one belly breath's time to activate the change. Okay, so you're not looking at a situation where you're in an interview and you're like, just give me five minutes. I need to go stop. No, this is something that you can actually train yourself to engage in when you are in a situation and you realize that this is happening. So awareness, of course, is on the front end of this. So when you stop, S-T-O-P-P, and reclaim your focus, you reclaim your power in a situation. Confidence in a bottle, just about anyways. So these three steps can begin the shift, mind and body, necessary to controlling anxiety in interviews. Is my list exhaustive? Well, no, hell no. Um, of course not. But Rome wasn't conquered in a day. At least that's what they tell me. Or Rome wasn't built in a day. I don't think it was built or conquered in a day. But brick by brick is our approach. So to sum it up, you work hard, study hard, research hard, practice hard, try hard. You, you've pretty much got the competence thing sewn up. But working to build your confidence in your body, mind, and belief in yourself is going to be where the breakthroughs come, both in terms of feeling and or managing anxiety and doo -doo -doo -doo, in achieving the kind of success only confidence can provide. My proof? I got the job. And it was confidence that made the paleontology debacle a non-deal breaker. 
until next week, my lovelies. But I will remind you to head on over to www.facebook.com backslash T-T-E-E with D to follow and or like the stuff I'm talking about. I'm, I'm getting more regular posting. Stick with me. And there's also the Tea House where we're going to start to build a group to, to support and connect women interested in the stuff we serve at Tea with D. You can find me on LinkedIn and that's backslash T with D again, T-E-E with D to see when and where I'm speaking next. Check out the weekly blogs, blogs, and podcasts, and subscribe. Check out the fun quiz, reflection guide, and a lot of sass on the mothership. And that is www.tweeee with d, the letter d.com. I'll see you there. <laughs>